my wife and I had the tremendous honor and privilege. I so appreciate Becky Foster in our church. I know, Becky, you didn't know I was going to say this, but I, I, Carol and I were so moved. Uh, she's really got a, a real burden and a call in her life to serve in the police department, and she serves in very practical ways. And bless her heart, she was up, I think, maybe one or two nights uh, bringing just this smorgasbord of food in for them to eat. And uh, Carol and I, we went at 11 o'clock Christmas Eve till 2 in the morning. Uh, and I want to tell you, it was a battle on the flesh to get up that early, but we went over there and some officers were coming in and we were able to sit down and eat with them. And I was able to just ask them how, how they're doing, how's, how's it going in the Garland area? And, uh, you know, the, the number one thing they were saying is that the number one issues we deal is domestic violence. And, uh, you know, it's amazing. On Christmas Eve, people didn't like their presence, so they get in a battle and things escalate to, and they have to call 911 over maybe the, or the wrong present or uh, maybe relatives. You know, there's so many things going on, but there's so much pressure. But I so appreciate what Becky and others with her are doing is ministering to them in practical ways. And Becky, I just want to acknowledge and thank you for your, your heart. I want to just pray for her because she's really got a burden to serve. How many of you know that that's what the church is all about? Is we're ministering in the different areas that God places on your heart. As God has really placed on her heart to serve in the Association for the Police Department to be a blessing to these individuals, men and women, that are serving to protect. In our, how many of you know our police have really gotten, in my opinion, a real bad rap? And we need to stand up and pray for them. Amen? And uh, believe God. I want to just pray for her in this ministry as well. Father, we thank you. What an opportunity it is to reach into our community and Lord, let the love of God in practical ways shine on these people. Just, just there to serve, whether it's in food or just to encourage them. I thank you, Lord, that you've placed that calling and burden and desire on her life, Becky. Father, we pray that this ministry will even grow because our community, Lord, our, our society needs uh, these servants to serve in these areas, these leaders. We thank you for that anointing on her life. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Would you just take with me in your Bibles for a few minutes into Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. I want to share this morning with you a message entitled, Getting Your Fire Back. Getting Your Fire Back. How many of you believe God wants His people to be on fire? He wants you to have a fire in you. He wants your passion to be alive. He wants the church to be a church that has a living faith, a living hope, a fire that is actually warming up, transforming the environment, changing the environment around you. you know, we live in a very cold society. I'm not talking about physically in our weather pattern. I'm talking about people that are becoming more and more isolated. There are people that are more afraid. There's more lawsuits going on. Everybody, this, 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 this escalation, and I'm not denying that we have issues, whether it's in racism or sexism or different other isms in our society, but what's happening is our society is a very divided society right now. And how many of you know it's only the power of the Holy Spirit in the believer that's going to begin to bring transformation and healing in our church, in the nation? The Bible very clearly says that if my people, how many here claim to be part of those, that group? If, my, if you're part of that group, if my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. Didn't say humble themselves and watch TV. It says to humble themselves and to pray and seek my face. And turn from their sins. Then will I hear from heaven. I will hear from heaven. And I will heal their land. 
I believe that when the church begins to rise and we begin to pray, one of the things we're doing is we're coming in the next two weeks, starting a week from Monday night, Wednesday and Friday. We're going to have different seasons of prayer in those Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for two weeks. And we're going to be emphasizing different issues, what to pray. We're going to be praying for families. We're also going to have a foot washing service because we believe that when we begin to wash one another's feet, when we begin to minister to one another, all of a sudden it begins to release the power of God's glory first in the church. How many of you know that before we can heal society, the church needs to be healed? Before you can heal the church, families need to be healed. Families are the absolute core of the community. Because when leadership breaks down in the home, when marriage or covenant breaks down in the home, it affects the church. And whatever happens in the church affects or doesn't affect our community. That's why we need strong leaders. We need strong marriages. We need strong families. Amen? Amen. Now, I want you to see something here in Matthew chapter 5. A really short verse that says this, Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the pure in heart. I love this word because for they shall what? See God. The pure in heart are going to say, how many of you want to see God in 2019? Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. See, we live in a society, even among churchgoers, they're confused. There are a lot of people, even in the church, they say, you know, I, Pastor, I just don't see God. I'm not experiencing what I thought was supposed to happen. I pray and some things are not happening. I don't necessarily experience the kind of breakthrough that I, I thought we were supposed to. There's a loss of, lot of disenfranchised and disappointed believers in the church today. There's a lot of people that are confused. Why aren't we seeing the breakthrough? How come my dreams are not coming to pass? I, I, I had a vision. and I, I, I prayed and I seek the Lord, but I don't understand. I don't know why I'm not seeing God. How many of you know it's a, a very important question? Now, I'm not saying this to blanket us with any kind of condemnation. That's not, but it says the pure in heart will see God. You know, I have a... Uh, I had a plumbing problem in my house. My wife and I, we live kind of in a 3,500 square foot, two-story house over here on Sahara Drive. And a couple of years ago, I had problems with my water pressure coming into my house. I turned the shower on, and I noticed that about the pressure was about half down. I mean, I turned the water on, and I felt like, especially when I was soaping my hair, I'd say, Carol... Is the washing machine on? Turn it off. Are you using the shower? Are you flushing the toilet? I'm in the shower. I got soap in my eyes. What's wrong? She come in the rush in the shower. She says, Ray, nothing's on. I said, I can't get any water out of the has anybody ever been there? Well, I mean, I was in the shower and I couldn't get any pressure. The pressure was literally about half down and and I remember getting out of the shower. and Now, this was a slow thing that was creeping up, actually, over months. I knew that the pressure was going down. But this one day I was in, it was actually a Sunday morning. And I was, and now there's been times where I've been in the shower. My wife turns on the washing machine, and it's using a lot of pressure. And I know the pressure goes down. Maybe it doesn't in your house, but in our house. We're, our house was built in 1978. I don't know. But I remember I called my winning plumber, and his name is Pepe. How many have ever used Pepe? And he's a, he's a wonderful, I mean, this guy is a can-do guy. And I said, Pepe, I think something's, there's a filter problem. I don't know, why are we getting pressure? Is that a garland problem? And so he started to do some investigation. And in the main line, we have a two-inch main line that was coming in to our house. This is the intake. This is where the water comes in and fills all the hot water tanks and all the other things in the house. And he said, Ray, your pipe seems to be blocked. 
it seems to be really kind of choking right there at the uh, spigot. And he says, you mind if I can, I need to probably get into this line somehow because he tried to get something in there. He couldn't do it. So he says, I'm going to cut this line. And he cut about a two-foot section and the spigot out. And when he pulled the line out of the ground, I mean, a two-inch hole was down to about three-eighths to a quarter of an inch. It was filled with gunk. I don't know what it was, but I was thinking, have we been drinking this all these years? I mean, the, the line had so cluttered and, so was, and it was so tiny. It was about three-eighths of a hole and it should have been about an inch and a half to an inch and seven-eighths. But it was so filled with Lake Levon gunk. That's when I decided to drink all bottled water, by the way. But, but, but he came and he replaced that line and all of a sudden, poof, the pressure was back. Salvation had come! How many of you love to have water pressure? Well, do you know what? I'm talking about fasting and prayer. Do, do you know that our lives are like that? One of the reasons why we don't experience the flow of God is because there's a lot of gunk in our line. And sometimes God has to come and clean out the gunk that is stopping the flow. Because, you know, it's not that God has a problem Getting it to us is the problem. We have a problem receiving it. Because there's stuff that is clogging the line. Are you following what I'm saying? Now sometimes when we begin to fast and pray, and I I pray you'll hear my heart this, I know that when we talk about fasting and prayer, fasting and prayer is not about watching you suffer or get hungry. Sometimes when we talk about fasting and prayer, I know that some of us have said this. I've even said it. But the Lord really kind of has been bringing a realignment in my thoughts lately. I know some of us have said, well, when we fast and pray, praise God, I'll I'll fast my apple pie. Or maybe I'll fast TV. Or I'll fast uh, maybe, uh, you know, different things, radio or music. But the Bible actually says that we need to fast with food. There's a reason why God wants you to fast with food. I know that you can fast TV, and I think it's a good thing to kind of shut some things out, the media and all this. And really, it's, it's in time of a focus. It's about focusing on the Lord. But it's also about what happens in your body. The Bible talks about the fast. There's a fasting. Now, I understand that there are those who cannot go on certain fasts for medical reasons. If you're a diabetic, if you're a hypoglycemic, there's, there's so many other issues. I am not suggesting. I'm not, I don't want to in any way put anything on you. If you, need, you need to do what the doctor says. You need to keep eating. I remember when I was in construction several years ago, I could go on juice and water for at least two days. I was a builder, used to be building homes and remodeling. I could go for about a day and a half. I tried to go on a week fast, but I only got into my second day because it was physical labor. But, but one of the things that for many years I was doing wrong, I was fasting with the wrong concept. I was not thinking right about this whole concept about prayer. The Bible says in Matthew 6, I'm not going to turn there, but three things. It says, when you pray, go into your closet, seek the Lord, your Father which sees you and seek reward you openly. Well, then it says, when you give alms. This is, this is, the, this is what God, the Lord Jesus is talking about that involves following Jesus. When you give alms and when you pray, when you give alms, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing and gives us some instruction there. But then he comes into the third part in Matthew 6. It says, when you fast. It doesn't say if you fast. It says when you fast. He says, anoint your head. Don't come out and look like you've been fasting. He says, then you'll have your reward. What does he mean by that? You could come out like this. I just want everybody to know I'm on my fifth day. It's all for the glory of Jesus. Wow, you're spiritual. I'm, I'm trying to be humble, though. I'm, I'm barely 
getting any water down, but thank God. I just want everybody to know I'm suffering for Jesus. And thank you. Wow, you're spiritual. Man, how many days have you found? 21! Woo! You're next to Moses. And Jesus, Jesus was saying, when you fast, don't advertise how you are doing it. In other words, he says, if, if that's what you want to do, he says, you have your reward. You get the hand claps and the accolades for people. If you're doing it to show off, you'll get your reward. That will be your reward. But he says, when you fast, anoint your head and live and walk as though you're not fasting. Just, just you know, but, but you're seeking the Lord. Your Father again, which sees you in secret, will reward your but, but But what is the purpose? How does fasting work? Well, I, I want to take you into another passage. It's found in Isaiah chapter 58. Isaiah, if you take your Bibles, because it says the pure in heart. Now, I want you to know that the Bible says that you are already holy by the blood of Jesus. How many of you know that we are the righteousness of God in Christ? There is a positional righteousness and holiness that I have before my Heavenly Father. Right now, I am holy and I am righteous. But now there's a relational responsibility, the Bible says, to be holy as I am holy. And so now my positional righteousness is that I'm made righteous, but now I am to walk out that righteousness and I am to guard and to, I am to know how to possess my body as a temple of the Holy Spirit. How many of you know that when Jesus died, there's a term there It says that He redeemed you. That means He bought you. He owns you. That's why Jesus now is Lord of my life. When Jesus is Lord, that means that what I do with my body, what I do with my life, I acknowledge Him in all my ways. I honor Him in my body. Two years ago, when I went to my doctor, and my doctor said, Ray, you are vastly overweight, you're eating the wrong foods, and you are killing yourself. My doctor for two or three years was saying, you know, Ray, you need to kind of work on your cholesterol. But finally... The pressure kept coming up. And then he says, Ray, if you don't change, things are going to not go well for you. I mean, he, he got my attention. How many of you know God sometimes will get your attention? Amen. Good preaching, Pastor Ray. God will get your attention in one way or another. And the Lord got my attention. Now, I want to tell you something. I realized that I needed to cleanse the tube. I needed to deal with issues. Yes, Dave? Oh, this? I am so sorry. Guys, I, I forgot to push my... I got so many buttons they got me to push up here. But I remember I started this process, and it wasn't a fast. It was like a fast. And I remember when I began to start doing... I have a, a program every day that I have nine floor exercises to work on my lower abs and body and my rear end and my legs and then I do a treadmill situation. Six days out of seven days I do this every day, every morning. Before I get up I hit this. But not only that, I started this diet. Now I want to tell you something. For a year and a half I've been faithful doing that. And I lost 80 pounds. But you don't want to believe what happened. Two months ago I had this massive stone in my left kidney, and another one in my right kidney. And I went through two surgeries. But you know what the doctor told me? He said something to me that blew my mind. He says, Ray, I do not want you to exercise. You do not to exercise before the surgery, and after you can't do the exercises you're doing because of the pr procedure we're going to do. And for two months, I stopped exercising. And you know what? I gained 12 pounds. But you know what happened recently? Recently, probably within the past two weeks, 
I got back into the routine, and right now I'm starting this routine. My wife knows about it. She sees my pads downstairs on the floor. But for the past two weeks, it's been hell! It's been murder! I'm going through the pain of starting over what I started two years ago because the doctor said no exercise. But here's the thing. It's been tough. But you know what? There's a reward. There's something rewarding because I noticed that even in gaining 12 pounds, I've kind of got sluggish, got more tired. But when I lost the weight and I was in exercise, I had energy. But here's the thing. Fasting is not about focusing on what you have to give up. Fasting is about realizing what you're going to gain. God wants you to realize you need to keep your eye on the prize rather than what you're giving up. And yes, there's a season of sacrifice, but there's something powerful. The Bible says the pure in heart will see God. You know what? Years ago, I want to take you to a, this passage in Isaiah 58. Notice what it says. Here's, here it is. Is not, verse 6, Isaiah 58, verse 6, Is not this the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo every heavy burden, and to let the oppressed go free, that you may break every yoke. In other words, the purpose of fasting, and there's some things that cannot come without prayer and fasting, and that is to see deliverance come. To see a deliverance, whether it's in your life or in your home. Because God has a purpose to bring healing into our life. Amen? What's to bring healing into our life? Now, I want you to see four basic things that fasting will do. The first thing here, can we go back to the first one? The very first one. Okay, to bring clarity to our hearts and reveal God and His purpose. That's the first main thing that fasting will do, was bring clarity. The pure in heart will see God. You'll experience Him. He reveals His purpose. And here's what's happening. When you begin to fast, listen to me on this, when you fast your body, which is connected to your soul and your mind, listen to me, when your body comes into weakness, listen to me. Paul the Apostle said this, I will glory in the things that concern my weaknesses. For when I am weak, I am strong. Now that just offends and goes contrary to the natural mind. And the first thing we might think, well, why would God want me to fast food? I am hungry. I am hungry. I want my Twinkies. I want my pot roast. I want my potatoes and gravy and cottage cheese. I need my iced tea. I need my steak and chicken. I need Kentucky Fried Chicken. I mean, I just need that. Anybody getting hungry yet? But... But see, isn't it amazing when you go on a fast, what's happening is there is a breaking of strongholds that takes place in your soul. It breaks strongholds in your mind. All of a sudden, God begins to speak to you when your body is brought into weakness. Let me give you an example. There was an uncle that I had. His name was Bert Crown. He was an uncle of mine, and my mother was witnessing to Bert Crown. Bert Crown was a lifetime alcoholic. In fact, he died in Santa Monica, California, several years ago, with a his esophagus was literally destroyed because of the alcohol. The doctor said, Bert, you need to stop drinking. I'm not gonna stop drinking. Not gonna take my beer, nobody can take my booze away from me. He's just very arrogant. I remember my mother would go to Bert. This is when they lived in Portland. And said, Bert, you know, God has such a bigger plan. And 
and alcohol has destroyed your family. Would you, would you like to be free? God can set you free. No, I don't need that Jesus crap. Don't give me that Jesus devil. I don't need Jesus. And see, what happens is the stronghold of alcohol so controlled his mind. How many of you know the battle in my flesh is not my flesh, it's in my mind? We're to tear down strongholds that are in the mind. We've got strongholds. Many times we use, whether it's alcohol, whether it's food, whether it's drugs, it can be pornography, it can be sex, it can be so many other things. We medicate because of that vacuum, that emptiness, that shallowness, the pain. Maybe there's anger that's feeding that, so we've got to medicate. And we, we actually don't even realize, but it's a form. The Bible refers to it as idolatry. When you begin to place something, it's called a high place. When something is high in your life, it's what you turn to to medicate because there's a vacuum. Boy, you're quiet here. I want to tell you something. Do you know, I, I want to tell you some things that I had in my life. I've wrestled pornography. I've wrestled with food. I even realized that I was addicted to Coca-Cola. The Holy Spirit actually dealt with me about Coca-Cola. I'm not saying it's a sin to drink Coca-Cola, but I was excessive on it. And it was, it was destroying my body. And so when I begin to fast and pray, do you know that I got headaches when I stopped drinking Coke? And you know what I begin to do when I started my exercise routine a couple of years ago? I thought that if I could do a certain amount of exercises, at the end of that, I will reward myself with a Coca-Cola. That is the problem of dieting. Is that we, we what, what we call white-knuckle it. Oh, I'm going to do this for two weeks. Thank God that at the end, man, Twinkies and Kentucky Fried Chicken and Coca-Cola, I will reward myself. Well, let me tell you something. I realized that was wrong thinking. I needed to understand that I needed to transform. I needed my mind and my heart transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit where I would not reward myself with the things that were keeping me in that cycle of addiction and bondage. I want to tell you something. There is a price to pay if you want to be free. There's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a message today that bothers me. It concerns me. And it's a message of grace. I'm all for the grace of God. It is God's grace that draws. It's God's grace that reveals the Father. It's God's grace that restores and heals. And it's God's grace that begins to help me understand my new identity as a son of God, seated with Christ in heavenly places. I'm a king. I'm a priest. I'm an overcomer. More than a conqueror. That's what the grace of God does for me. But I cannot just sit back and say, thank you for the grace and continue to eat my Twinkies. The purpose of the grace was not to leave you where you're at, but to transform you into the very image of Jesus. How many of you want to be pure in heart? See, I, need, I needed my plumbing cleansed. My plumbing, plumbing was clotted. I want to tell you some of those things. When I went through the seven pillars, I realized that I had some rotten gunk in my plumbing. You know what I had? I had unforgiveness. That was hindering the flow of the Holy Spirit. I had some addictions hindering the flow. I had some bitterness as a pastor. As a pastor, I, I had some junk inside. And the Lord said, will you let me cleanse the pipe? Will you let me cleanse what is hindering the flow of the life of God that wants to come and expand and open the heavens on you, Ray. You know, there were things that I said, yes, Lord, amen, you can take the coke, amen, you can take the anger here, you can take this, but, but Lord, I, I'm not ready for you to take that yet. Praise God. Ah, Lord, look what I've done here. And God says, that's great, Ray, you've done here, but there's something here I want to do. No, no, Lord, let's, let's put that off on a later day. Guess what? Prayers weren't being answered. Stress was killing me. Because my way, my way, 
was hindering his flow. I was hindering. It was arrogance. It was stubbornness. In Ray, it was rebellion. In Ray. Do you know that the first step in deliverance and healing is you coming to face yourself? I've got to address the issues in me. Now, God doesn't want you to stay there and beat yourself up. He doesn't want you to stay there and beat you. But when you begin to fast and pray, God's going to say, what about that? What about this? What about that secret? Well, what about that little closet sin that you got? No, no, God, amen. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace. Praise God. Hallelujah. <laughs> forgive, amen. Sometimes seven, man, and you Lord, you're going to forgive me all the time, amen, right? Now, he's there to forgive you. But you're never going to be restored until you say, yes, Lord. I, I want to walk in the... How many of you know what the light does? What, what does light do? Light helps you to see everything. But if you're a shadow Christian, you keep secrets. You don't want things... I don't want things... I don't want my wife to know everything. She doesn't need to know. Praise God. I'm the head of the house. Praise God. How dangerous. How dangerous that is. I'm the pastor of the church. Praise God. Now that, that, doesn't give you, that doesn't give me any right to hide anything. We want to walk... How many of you want to walk in the light? When you're walking in the light, then you're walking in the anointing. See, Jesus had power because He was constantly... The Bible says in John, He constantly did those things that pleased His Heavenly Father. I want to live to please. But here's the thing. You'll never please Him unless you come to know Him. You'll never want to please Him. See, people that don't really say yes to the Lord don't really know how really great and good He is. Fasting in prayer. Fasting from food. As I begin to move in my journey of healing, restoration, even getting into shape and things like that, I remember that fasting... In fact, my wife knows this. In the past two weeks, I said, Carol, boy, it's killing me, the pain. But you know what? Here's the thing. I have my eye on the prize. And you know what? Being healthy, living longer. You know, another thing that's been a real target in my life, my grandkids. I want to see my grandkids get married. That's been a motivation for me. I want to be healthy. How many of you want to see your grandkids? Guess what? I'm even wanting to believe... I want to see my great-grandkids someday. I believe Judah and Reagan someday are going to get married. I want to see them, not only them, but their kids walk down the aisle. Ray Galligan is pushing for a hundred. Oh, Ray. Why are you even thinking like that? Because I want to live. How many here want to live? But God doesn't want you to just live. He wants you to have a quality life. He wants to have a life without regrets. I don't want to look back and say, you know what, my marriage was crappy. All because I was stubborn. Why am I thinking like that? What am I, what am I talking about like this right now for? Is because fasting and prayer not only shines the light on the things that clog in the, the pipe, but God wants to set you free and bring the very best that He has intended for your life. He wants to bring your fire back. He wants to bring your vision back. He wants to bring your healing back. He wants to bring you out of brokenness. But sometimes we get stubborn or we're in pain. And here's another thing. Sometimes we've been in such pain that we don't trust anybody. I will not trust anybody. I don't even trust God. But in my brain, I kind of tease myself to believing that I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay, but I'm really not. The second thing about fasting is that it destroys strongholds and exposes the lies that we come to believe in. I remember years ago after I got out of Bible school, I had something happen in my life. I, uh, I don't know if I ever shared this, but after I got out of Bible school, I got this incredible job at Boyd Coffee Company. I was making good money. I bought a brand new 1974 Super Sport Camaro, and I bought my, got my own apartment. I was making good money at Boyd Coffee. Got a brand new car, got my own apartment, and as a single man, I was thinking, I was thinking, man, this is the life. 
But you know what happened? I begin to backslide. And I begin to think that the blessing of God is on me because I'm prospering. But you know what? The Lord opened my mind and my eyes one day to Revelations 3, which I'm not going to turn there for the sake of time. But in Revelations 3, it's John's letter to the seven churches in, in Asia Minor. And one of the churches was the church at Laodicea. It was called the lukewarm church. And you know what the word lukewarm in the Greek means? Useless. God can't use a useless, lukewarm church. They lost their fire. But if you study the context of Laodicea, do you know Laodicea was an amazing city? It was an industrious, very prosperous city. And the Bible says about the Laodiceans that they were saying, it says, God says, I know your works, church at Laodicea. He says, I know you. And he says, but you say you are rich, you are wealthy, and you have need of nothing. I don't need God. I don't need prayer. I go, by the way, these were church-going people in the church of Laodicea. But they were lukewarm. What does it mean to be lukewarm? It means to have, take the things of God casually. I become casual, and then I begin to open the door. Let me say this. God is not against wealth. In fact, the Bible says that He wants us to prosper. He's not against wealth. But what they did was they misunderstood and they misrepresented something in their minds. They begin to believe <clears throat> that material wealth was a sign of blessing. It can be as long as we have the right perception. But they mistake that. Instead, they begin to allow the spirit of the culture around them to put out their fire. Because they begin to embrace the culture around them. Laodicea had this huge majestic idol in the city. It was Zeus, and they all worshipped Zeus. Zeus represented prosperity, also represented some other pretty nasty things as well. But they worshipped, they fell into that culture of materialism and wealth and, and promotion. They got into that, into their system, to the point where they lost their fire. The culture around them desensitized and weakened them. But the Lord came to them and He said that unless you repent or change your mind, some strong language here, but it needs clarification. It says, unless you repent, I will spit you like vomit out of my mouth. Now, He wasn't talking to unbelievers there. He's talking to believers. He says, unless you change the way you think, he says it's not going to be good. But then he goes on to say, in fact, I want to turn there, and I'm going to turn here in closing. In Revelation 3, notice, here's the beauty here of the Lord. He doesn't just, he's not interested in getting rid of anybody. But here in verse 18, he says this, I know you. He says there's five things about you that you're not even aware of, first of all, in verse 17. He says, you say that you are rich and wealthy and have need of nothing, but you do not know. Notice what happens. Here's, here's the pipe being clogged. You, you don't know this. That you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Now he's talking to the believers here. You know what the word wretched means? It means to literally be twisted. It means to be injured, first of all, to be injured to the point where you are become twisted and so hurt that you, you're not thinking clearly. You're wretched. You're miserable. You're poor. There's a, there's a spiritual poverty. In other words, you guys, he's talking to the church here, and he says, you're, you're looking at your outward man rather than understanding the true nature of the inward man in your life. And he says, you're poor, blind, and you're naked. That means you're unclothed. You're completely exposed. In other words, there's no defenses in your life. There's no ability to discern the difference between right and wrong and what's happened because you're unclothed. You are completely exposed and vulnerable. 
He says, you don't even realize how wretched you are. And your fire is going out. Are you hearing me this morning? But I love it. It doesn't end here. It says, but I counsel you to buy. Everyone say to buy. From me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich with white garments that you may be clothed that your shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. Do you, do you know God wants to cover anything that you may be ashamed of? He wants to cover anything that you are wrestling with when it comes to shame. He's not interested in exposing you. He's interested. He loves you so much. He wants to cover your life so you're not living under that shame. You know, he does it. That's where the grace of God really comes in. That your shame and nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. But he says you've got to buy this. Everyone say to buy. That means that's fasting in prayer. When you begin to buy, the word buy there means to make an exchange. To buy means to invest. When you begin to pray, when you get to fast, and you begin to say, you know what, I'm going to set this time aside to seek your face for clarity because there's strongholds in my life. And Lord, I want you to be magnified so your glory will rest. The atmosphere of your presence will rest in our home. How many of you want that? I want that. And he says, I want, I want to anoint your eyes. He's not talking about your natural eyes. He's talking about clearing your mind. So that your mind's eye will be clear. That your eye will be single. That your whole body, Matthew 6, verse 8 says, that your whole body might be filled with light. I need understanding, clarity. And he says, as many as I love, I rebuke. Listen to what he says here. First he's saying, guys, you're blind. You're misunderstanding your wealth and you're you're, you're thinking that because you're doing good financially or in in your position in life that you're you're okay spiritually. And he says, no, you're not. You're miserable. You're blind. You're you're naked. You're exposed. You're wretched. He says, I want to bring healing to the inner man. How many of you know God's interested in looking on the inside, not just how things are going on the outside? He's interested on the inside. That's what this letter... And he says, I love you. And because I love you, I'm rebuking you. Today, that, that message doesn't go over very well in many churches. As many as I love, he says, I rebuke. Now, rebuking isn't a word of condemnation. What he's talking about rebuking is he says, I want to speak a word of adjustment. I want to help adjust you because I love you. How many here have kids and you have to adjust them? The Bible says if you, in Proverbs, if you do not adjust your children, in Proverbs, it says you hate them. That's what the Bible says. A man or a woman that will not discipline his children hates his own kids. You do not love them. He says, as many as I love, I rebuke. And I chase, and let me tell you something, when you fast and pray, God's going to begin to speak to you about things that may not be right. Remember years ago, the Lord began to speak to me. He says, Ray, looking at porn is not right. It's clogging the pipe, and it's going to hinder my flow in your life. I remember struggling for years to get free until I began to see some things, and God began to open my mind. It was a painful, painful experience. But it was so rewarding to get through it. Do you know God loves you more than your failure or your problem? He loves you and He sees you coming out not only as a conqueror, but you're going to come out and you're going to bring deliverance to others. And so He said, I love you. I chasten, therefore be zealous and repent. Everyone say repent. I know it's not a word that we use today, but... It's a biblical word to repent. And he says, I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. Isn't it amazing that when I clog the pipe, I actually push God outside of my life where he's standing outside trying to get back in. When I just allow complacency, when I allow apathy, when I become casual about sin and I become casual about what God's Word says, I clog the pipe and then all of a sudden I can't hear anymore. 
I can't receive. I'm wondering why I'm always in confusion. Because I've clogged the pipe with an attitude. Maybe there's anger. Maybe it's unforgiveness. Maybe there's known sin in my life. And he says, I'm standing. I'm knocking because I love you. And I will not give up on you. You know, as a pastor, I'm talking to men all the time. And I love them. I have a heart for men. I love men. I love women too, but I, I have a real heart for men to see them come into their full potential. So many men live with pain. They live with anger. They live with things they don't know how to get free from. But you know what? Jesus made those kind of men His disciples. These, were not, these guys were not champions. They, many of them were experience failure in the first four Gospels. You see all their failures, their, their ambitions, their, their mistakes, their sinfulness, their selfishness, their narcissism, unbelievable narcissism in the disciples, especially when Jesus was having the Passover. But it, it was that night Jesus washed their feet and they were cleansed and these men became world changers. I will never give up on any man who's walking through a problem. Never. And you know why? Because Jesus did not give up on me. I don't deserve anything that I have. I deserve nothing. God give me a wife that's a far better woman than I am. God's allowed me to pastor this church. I don't deserve to be here. But I'm grateful for His grace. And I'm so grateful that He healed me. But it was a process. If we will yield to the process, if we will allow Him to transform us as we learn to follow Him, and yes, there's going to be seasons where He's going to expose things. He doesn't expose everything at once, but He exposes things piece by piece, little by little. And He so compassionately, with great comfort, and with great encouragement, He brings His sons and His daughters along. And he cuts away. He prunes the dead branches. Every branch in me he prunes. He purges the dead branches so that it can bear forth much fruit. Because he loves you. He will never chop your tree down, but he will cleanse and purge the dead branches. Things that are hindering growth in your life. Fasting and prayer. Number three, can we go to the next one? Fasting and prayer aligns us with the Father's plan to bring healing and deliverance to those in bondage. God wants to heal you so you can bring healing to others. And the last thing is this, is that it opens the heavens for the presence of God to shift atmospheres, political, economic, and cultural landscapes. God wants to shift the atmosphere in your life. Amen? Amen. I believe 2019 is going to be a year of power. It's going to be a year of deliverance going to be a year where God's going to shift some of our thinking from small-mindedness to walking in the greatness of who He is and experiencing the greatness of His glory in us. You are to be great because God is great. You are to have influence because He has influence. You are to prosper because He is a prosperous God. He's going to help you get there. Amen? But He's doing it from the inside out. He's going to cleanse the pipe so the flow of His glory will rest on you. Let me tell you, we are going to be dealing with things coming into this house that it's going to take an anointing to break it. And it's only going to come with people who are willing to pay the price with fasting and prayer. By the way, this is not for old people. This is for young people. I remember I fasted my first time in fasting when I was 10 years old, literally. God spoke to me when I was 10 years of age. I only fasted one meal. But you know, God met me. I was a young boy. I didn't know a lot, but I fasted one meal. My mom encouraged my brother and I to fast, and we did. And I was amazed by what God spoke to me. 10 years old, God can speak. How many of you want God to speak to you fresh? How many of you want the fire back in your life? Can we stand to our feet? I've gone over here a bit. I feel the Holy Spirit wants to touch us in a fresh way. Maybe you this morning, you may say, you know, Pastor Ray, I need the fire back in my life. I need that. I need God to just come and cleanse and wash that pipe 
So the flow is flowing strong and mighty in my life. If that's you, raise your hand this morning. I'm going to pray for you. I'm raising my hand. I need more of God. I need Him more every day. Father, You see the sheep. These are the sheep of Your pasture. These are Your people, Lord. And I thank You, Lord, that You have called and anointed them with a fresh anointing. And Lord, I thank You, Lord, that You have not cast us away. But Lord, You love us zealously. You love us, Lord, compassionately. And Lord, You will always be faithful to knock on the door of our hearts so You can come in. Lord, I pray right now that You would just reveal Father to us as a God who comes not to hurt, but to reward us, to heal us, to raise us, to establish our homes and our lives. In Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. I just, I have a prophetic word. Markeith, I just have a word. And I was praying and ministering. I felt like the Lord just say, you're coming in out of the cloud and you're coming into clarity. The Lord's hand is on you and you know your wife. Let me just tell you something. You are, I just saw you like a bird singing on a line. You have a song in your heart. Well, you can sing. I don't, I've never heard you sing, but I just felt the Lord's put a song in your heart and there's a song of deliverance. When you begin to sing in your house, when you begin to pray, you're gonna, there's, there's power in your prayer. I want you to know the Lord hears. Can you give me your name again? I forgot. It's my fault. What? Shante. I, I, all these names, I try to remember them. Shante, there's an anointing on you to shift atmosphere. When you pray, God hears. And I just want you to know the Lord sees you in a much better place than you see yourself. Amen your heart and yourself. And the Lord just wants you to know He sees you with favor. Do you remember the word the Lord gave to Mary? He says, blessed are you among women. I just feel like the Lord, I'm not saying you're pregnant, but I just feel like the Lord, I mean, I'm not prophesying that right now, but I feel, <laughs> Markeef says please. But I want to say something. You're going to give birth to something in your home, in your, in your children. Because you have a real gift to pass up the baton, to pass because there's compassion. There's a gift to teach and to share. God just wants to open that river on you. And Mark Keefe, you too. You know, it's a new day. God just loves you. And I know his hand is on you. But I just see the Lord rooting out the bad roots and he's putting good seed in your life. There's going to be a shift this year, this year. It's going to be just a shift in your confidence. It's going to put a shift where the things around you that used to just torment you. I just saw you being tormented. The Lord is coming to bring peace like a river. The Bible says that thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon the Lord. As you begin to just focus on the Lord, God's going to give you such amazing peace. Praise God. Phenomenal peace. Amen. Rebecca, praise God. 2019, we're going to hear from you a lot more. You are a prophetess in the house of God. You have stored up so much inside. and You've, you've said, you know, Lord, I, I don't want to be out of line. I don't, want to, I don't want to do something that's not in your plan. And you've been so careful. But this year is a breakout year for you. This church is going to hear more about you from you. And it's going to be the Holy Spirit ministering through you. And you're not to, not to fear anymore. The Bible says, Paul told Timothy to stir up the gift that is in you. And the reason why he stirred, you know what? You know why they give him the word Timothy? Timothy comes from timid. And Timothy was so careful, but Paul says it's time to launch out. And I, I just sense the Holy Spirit as a prophet. You're going to be like a American. You're going to be women. I mean, I, I just really sense that anointing. I, I want you to have the confidence. And by the way, it's okay 
to make mistakes. You don't grow until you fall down. I release that confidence in you in Jesus' name. Do you accept that? And you're going to sing. Praise God. There's an anointing. Well, I'm both. I, I really there's a real confidence in God. Amen. Let me tell you something. The Lord is doing something dynamic in all of our lives. And you know what's something? He wants us to see ourselves through a different lens, and it's greater than the way we see ourselves. We, are so, we see ourselves limited, restricted. We see ourselves in weakness, but he sees us righteous, holy, full of confidence. God's going to take some Davids in here, and you're going to slay some Goliaths. The spirit that was on David is on you, and you are going to see. By the way, victory doesn't come because we just declare victory. Victory comes because we've been in a battle and we brought down a Goliath. We're not going to run from Goliath anymore. We're not just declaring victory. We're going into battle and we're going to bring down giants. Amen? Amen. Some of you, it might be issues with your past. Some of it may be issues in your own confidence and your gifting. God wants you to know it's a new day. Amen. Amen. It's a new day. Anton, Camille, it's a new day. God has united you two in marriage. You have been united by the Lord and for whom God puts together, let no man put asunder. You are anointed. You are blessed. God's going to bless you on your job. This year, you're going to see a promotion. I want to hear about it. There's a new promotion coming. You know, you have gifts and abilities that haven't even been used yet. But there's been things and thoughts in your mind that you want to see happen. And God wants you to just launch out on those things. Amen. Now, God has given you a good wife here. You're a dreamer. And God has given you a woman who's on the practical side. She'll say, great dream, but let's look at this. <laughs> Is that right? Mm-hmm. See, you're, you're the dreamer. You're the visionary. But she's the practical side. And see, the two of you yoked together is going to be an amazing power pack. You're like a combat dropping out of the sky out of a helicopter, man. You're going into action. You two in your family, all of you. You're, you're just like a, wow. Give me a cause. Give me a reason. I'll go in and take them out. <laughs> you, you guys are just can-do people. I remember first meeting this couple when they came to the church. Pastor Ray, we're here to go to work. Give us a purpose. Give us a reason. I usually don't get hit with that. But I said, whoa. But you know, that, that's, that's a God thing. And they are tremendously fruitful. What a blessing. What a blessing you are. God's going to bless your children, your family. He's going to bless the family abroad. That influence is going to come because of what God is doing with you too. But you are precious in the sight of the Lord. You've been like Hannah. You've travailed in prayer. You're not a barren woman, but you've prevailed and God has heard. He's marked your mouth. He's marked your lips. You're going to see a fulfillment, a prophetic explosion, even in your children. You're an awesome mom. This is an awesome mother. By the way, women, if you ever want wisdom and counsel, here's an awesome mother right here. Amazing mother. Amen. God is good, amen? He's good. Norma, the Lord has crowned you with loving kindness. Do you know he sees you as a queen? You are, you are a woman. There's a woman in the Bible in Luke chapter 3. Uh, man, her, my, her name slips my mind. Simeon. Uh, who? Anna. Anna. Thank you. Anna. She was praying and she had an understanding. There was a wisdom and an understanding given to Anna that she would see the salvation of the Lord. She would witness the coming of the Messiah. And she, day and night, was seeking in the temple. You are a seeker. You're a worshiper. And I want to tell you something. When you pray, mountains are moving. And I just saw the Lord put a crown on you. It's an ornament. And that ornament has to do with his presence and his, his beauty. He's given you beauty for ashes. And 
He's come to anoint you with a blessing today to know that lay hands on people. Be bold to minister because there's healing in your hands. There's healing. There's life. You're such an encourager, Norma. Such an encourager. So open that mouth. There's a river of life in you. Amen. Let's, let's just... Let's just Amen. If any of you just feel like you would like to be ministered to, I want you to come down. I just feel like the Holy Spirit wants to. If any of you would like prayer, I want you to come down right now. Just come down. That's you to be prayed for. And if not, we'll dismiss the service at the same time. Amen. As they're coming, I'm going to close in prayer over you, but I'm going to pray for these afterwards. I'm going to close and dismiss you. Father, we thank you today. We thank you, Lord for the season of the year as we begin 2019. Lord, that this year will be a year of phenomenal light and fire. We would experience a baptism of fire this year in this house of your presence, of breakthrough and healing in every area. Father, we love you. We give you praise. And everyone said? Amen. <laughs> Amen. Give, someone, give them some joy this morning. Amen. Let me just pray with you. Wow. Wow.